Yes, I am back. Farzine Vesugian back here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. A lot of you guys are probably wondering where the hell have I been. Guys, I was sick with a mixture of things and it was the long it was for more than two weeks it was 15 days to be exact uh, and then i wanted to take a couple times to just recover i, I mean i had everything I had, I had a cold a fever a cough a sore throat uh everything uh it absolutely sucked couldn't do the podcast uh, couldn't do physical activity couldn't run couldn't work out none of that uh, but this week I got better finally, uh, and uh, I actually worked out today for the first time in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's just your body does not let you do that. Uh, you know, I, I lack of sleep, all kinds of crap, which you guys probably don't care about. Uh, so we're going to move on here. And by the way, just so you all know, of course, there's been a lot of uh, political activity going on, as, as I'm sure you all know. Uh, listen, here's the deal. Uh, we're not even going to get into that stuff. Uh, we're just not. I know your social media is probably full of a bunch of asinine posts by a lot of people. Yeah, I'm seeing it on my Facebook. Uh, I've written a couple things on, on, on my personal page. Uh, of course, on, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine. I've also tweeted this as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21. I, I mean, I, I posted a couple of, of stuff, but nothing political. Just a picture of Salvador Perez, uh, Royals uh, catcher, and of course, again, Gold Glove winner. Just just standing on, on the podium when the Royals were visiting the White House. Listen, uh, we're just not going to get into it. I hope this podcast, and here's my thing with sports. I truly do believe that sports is a nice escape from some of these... Some of these realistic issues that, that we have going on. I mean, that's why we love sports, right? I, I remember Joaquin Soria once said that uh, fans can boo me all they want. You know, it's their right. Uh, you know, they, they they get away from their daily lives to come out to the game. They pay a lot of money for it, and they have every right to which I thought was a very stand-up thing for him to say, even though he's getting booed by a lot of Royals fans this year. Uh, I hope this podcast for the next... 30 minutes, an hour or so, however long this ends up being. I hope that, you know, I can take some time for, for you guys to take your mind off of the election or, or whatever. Because that's what sports is about. So hopefully you guys can uh, can enjoy that for the next hour or so here on the Chief Zone Podcast. And again, be sure you guys do interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine or search my name Farzine Vesugian on Facebook, and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. A lot to talk about with the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. Uh, I've been gone for so long, haven't had a chance to talk to you guys. I've been active on, on Facebook and Twitter. And by the way, I do appreciate uh, some of the comments that came in uh, of you guys wishing me well when I tried to update you guys, letting you guys know where the podcast was. A couple of you guys that asked, so uh, appreciate you guys uh, asking and the concern, of course, but... We're back here now uh, doing what we do best, and uh, that's talking Chiefs football. The Chiefs are doing what they do best, and that's playing football. Uh, listen, the Chiefs have been playing really great, and going to my preseason prediction with this football team, I, I did not have these big expectations. A lot of people did. I had a hard time buying into the hype because of Kansas City's record against teams above 500 with Andy Reid. Uh, we saw that a lot in 2013 and last year when the Chiefs went on that big late surge to make it into the playoffs. And look at the Chiefs now. 
Uh, they're one of the best teams in the NFL and competing with the Raiders and the Broncos for the number two seed in the AFC. And if things just happen to go bad for the Patriots, you never know. They could be competing for home field advantage in the AFC. And of course, the last time the Chiefs had a bye week, that was in 2003. That was, of course, that big year with Trent Green, Tony Gonzalez, Priest Holmes, Dante Hall. Uh, just a, a prolific offense and also great specialty, clutch special teams that year. And, you know, we're kind of seeing some of that, not too much of it. I, I, well, I, I take that back. We're not really seeing a lot of similarities offensively. But, you know, the defense wasn't that great uh, during the Dick Vermeil era here in Kansas City. But now you see Kansas City and what they've done against teams like Oakland. Uh, New Orleans, Indianapolis. I understand that among those three teams, only one of them is really good, and that's the Oakland Raiders. But those offenses are not cupcake offenses, by all means. Listen, no one in the NFL should ever be underestimated. You saw what happened against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Took the, it, the Chiefs essentially the entire game to really put Jacksonville away. But the thing about New Orleans, the thing about Indianapolis, those two teams... They've got good offense, great offenses, as a matter of fact. I know Andrew Luck, last year, the injuries and everything he's dealt with this year, still having a hard time getting it together. Uh, this is a football team that, uh, when I'm referring to the Chiefs, the defense that went out there and shut down three really good offenses. And not a lot of defenses have been able to keep these teams silent. The Oakland Raiders going on the road at the black hole, holding them to just 10 points, New Orleans. Uh, they they won the second half, but of course the Chiefs did enough in the first half to win the game. Held them to 21 points. Still, I don't want to say that's a lot, but that's uh, fewer than what most teams have allowed against New Orleans. New Orleans has been uh, involved in a lot of high-scoring games, and a majority of them have been losses for them because their defense has been kind of similar to the Chiefs during the Vermeil era since we were just on that topic. And then, of course, Indianapolis, uh, you know, another good team. Again, you can never underestimate that offense, even with their bad record. And the Chiefs held the Colts to 14 points in that football game. The Jaguars, listen, man, you're without your starting quarterback, your, your top two running backs, uh, your tight end got ejected in that game, which we I definitely want to talk about. I've got a lot to say on that subject. Uh, you're without your number one wide receiver and Jeremy Macklin, uh, Parker Enniger out for the season. You're without your left guard. You've got so many missing pieces on your offense, and to score 19 points and still win this football game, I'll take it. I, I said on the Facebook page, winning ugly is better than losing. Would you rather win ugly? Or have your three-game losing streak snapped and sit here with a 6-3 and three record falling a little bit behind the pack in the AFC West race? Winning. Uh, that's the easy option there, of course. So, uh, listen, it wasn't pretty. Uh, Nick Foles def definitely did not look good in this game. Uh, looked much better in that Indianapolis game. But, of course, you know, you can take uh, just about any quarter. Take the 10 worst QB starting QBs in the NFL. Eight of them will do great against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I, I, me personally, I would like to see a different style of offense. I think Nick Foles did some nice things in that Indianapolis game. Uh, but at the end of the day, he did not look good against Jacksonville Jaguars, a, a team that doesn't have a prolific defense by all means. And 
that's a sign where you need Alex Smith back, and he will be back this week for the Kansas City Chiefs, as reported. So uh, there are some differences with Alex Smith and Nick Foles. Do I think the Chiefs score more than 19 points with Alex Smith uh, playing this past week? Yeah, for sure. I I definitely think so. Uh, I thought Nick Foles would have done better. Uh, but not the case. And listen, a lot of people talked about how he had a great 2013 season with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, he did. But listen, there is a reason why Nick Foles has not been a starting quarterback since then. I mean, he went to uh, the Rams, didn't do well at all there, was let go, and eventually picked up by the Chiefs. So uh, there's a reason why Nick Foles in 2016 finds himself Filling in for Alex Smith. There's a reason why he's not, he wasn't the starting quarterback going into week one. Now, I'm not saying he can't be a starting quarterback in this league. I think he definitely has the skill sets to be a starting QB. And listen, uh, I mean, what if Nick Foles had all of training camp? He got a majority of the reps uh, under center this, this offseason. Yeah, I think he could have done better. Against Jacksonville, I think he would have done much better in some of these situations had he been able to start. But that's not the case for him. He's not the starting quarterback. The Chiefs want to go with Alex Smith again. I think I'll put it this way: if you want to do Madden ratings, I don't think Nick Foles is far behind Alex Smith. Regardless what the real Madden says, the real video game says, uh, it's a video game. You can't take that too seriously. I think in terms of just Good QB play. I don't think Nick Foles is far behind Alex Smith, but you know this is not a guy who got a lot of the, the starting reps basically in OTAs and at training camp. Alex Smith did, so that's why Nick Foles may may not have played so well. Who knows? But uh, for right now, I think Alex Smith is the better quarterback. I was hoping for a change in Nick Foles because I like what we saw from him when some of the deep pa- passes there. I know Alex Smith has been doing that a little bit more and more, but. Uh, Nick Foles, I mean, it's not like it took him three years to do that. But again, uh, he underperformed uh, for sure against the Jaguars. He had more passing yards against the Colts in a game where he had fewer snaps because he he, he basically split time with Alex Smith in that game. Whereas in the Jaguars game, he played from start to finish and threw for fewer passing yards in this game. But listen, nonetheless... Uh, the Chiefs found a way to pull out a win against the Jaguars, and uh, you just survive. You take the win. Wins don't come easy in the NFL, uh, and you move on to the next game. And the Chiefs have a very tough opponent in the Panthers. Again, don't don't go by their record of three and five. And yes, I know uh, they're 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 not doing too well this year. But if you look lately, they're on a winning streak right now, defeating both the. Cardinals and the Rams, and don't look now, but the Panthers have done this before. They started off one and five this year, and now are three and five. Let me take you back. I believe that was a 2012 season, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, it was 2013, the same year the Chiefs went to the playoffs. The Panthers started one and three that season. Finished 12 and 4. So after that 1 and 3 start, they dropped just one game in that season, in the, in the second half of their season, and uh, went to the playoffs with a, a bye week, basically. So uh, listen, the Panthers might be able to do that again. They've done it before. 
they're certainly capable of doing that again. And now they've got a team uh, that, that they know in Kansas City, uh, of course, coming in very hot. They want to be able to sap their winning streak and continue their own streak. So this is not going to be an easy game for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, going in there. Of course, we'll get to the breakdown later, but what the Chiefs have done, very impressive. And listen, we are in the second week of November getting ready to play the Panthers. Uh, the Chiefs have played half their game so far this year, standing at 6-2. and two. Now, 6-2 and two in most divisions, you'll be leading most, most divisions. If the playoffs were to start today, the Chiefs would be visiting the Baltimore Ravens. Now, let me say this. I posted the screenshot of the playoff picture and of the Chiefs showing that they would be visiting the Ravens. And I saw a couple comments here of people saying, well, they need to change the playoff system. Look, in 2010, when the Chiefs won the AFC West with a 10-6 record, Obviously, the Baltimore Ravens came to visit the Chiefs. Now, I know you guys don't want to remember that playoff game. Was not a pretty one for the Chiefs? However, as you may not remember, probably intentionally want to forget this, the Ravens came to Arrowhead with a better record than the Chiefs. Obviously, Chiefs fans weren't complaining. And look, I get it with sports. If a referee makes a bad call, but it goes your way, you're not going to say anything. You're going to love the call, obviously. Uh, so, so, so I, I, I get it with sportsmen, but listen, in my opinion, I truly do believe that in the NFL, winning your division has to hold some sort of value. So as of right now, I truly believe that the Patriots, the Ravens, the Texans and the Raiders, those are all teams. And even though you may not agree with it, those are teams who deserve to be hosting a, a, a playoff game. In the NFC, you don't have anyone with a controversial record leading their division. Uh, right now, the only team uh, with that is the Ravens and the Steelers. The Steelers, of course, losing three in a row. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think the Steelers have won since uh, dominating the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Uh, so it's been a while since uh, the Ravens have pulled out a win. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the AFC North is that controversial d- uh, division this year where uh, they have a team at 500 leading their division in which they that team, the Ravens, would be hosting a playoff game if the season, postseason begun today. Now listen, there's a lot more of the season left to come. So we, there's an opportunity for the Ravens and the Steelers or the Steelers, maybe both of them, who knows, to make a surge and have a more respectable record going into the playoffs after 17 weeks has been complete of the season. So the Chiefs, you know, right now, and by the way, the Chiefs have kind of had a little bit of bad luck because they won 11 games in 2013, and they were a wild card. 2015, also a wild card, despite 11 wins, uh, but found a way to win on the road. So you, you take it. You, 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 you take what you can. This year, now you've got a three-team race. The Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Broncos uh, all of them competing for the AFC West, and guess what? All three of them are probably going to finish with double-digit wins, and all, two of them are going to have to go on the road as wild cards. So, uh, again, that's just going to be bad, bad luck, but you, you listen, people say home field advantage. Uh, I don't know, man. You, you think about Arrowhead and everything that's been made of Arrowhead, and, and props to the Chiefs because they have won 10 in a row at Arrowhead Stadium, 
But in Kansas City's last two postseason games at home uh, against the Patriots and 2000, or pardon me, not the Patriots, the Colts in 2003 and the Ravens in 2010, the Chiefs didn't win those games. So, uh, and of course, the Chiefs, of course, had that long drought, uh, plenty of postseason losses at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, but listen, uh, home field advantage doesn't guarantee you a, an automatic victory in the postseason. It just doesn't. There's a reason why they play these games out. So if I'm Kansas City, I, I take it. You you take what you can. I know the Chiefs haven't been great on the road this year, 2-2 two and two to be exact, but uh, they've been playing some damn good football this year, and they need to carry that over on the road this week against the Panthers. So... You, you look at the way that they've been playing this year, and, you, and if you want to compare it to the rest of the division, the Chiefs haven't been scoring a lot of points, 185 to be exact. That is the fewest in the AFC. But they've also allowed the fewest amount of points. Or pardon me, not the AFC, just the AFC West. But they've also allowed the fewest amount of points in the AFC West. In fact, it's the second fewest in the entire conference behind New England. Now, it's a little bit... Well, maybe not too much misleading because they've played fewer games. But still, I mean, everyone's bye weeks will come at different times. It it, it all doesn't happen uh, in the in a small amount of time. But still, that's pretty good for the Kansas City Chiefs, allowing just 151 points uh, this year so far. Which again, that's the second best in the AFC behind New England's 132. The Chiefs also have been dominating. With turnovers. And listen, we all have heard it with football. Turnovers wins you football games. The Chiefs have the best differential margin in the NFL right now in turnovers with positive 13. Just to give you an idea, Minnesota's right behind Kansas City, positive 12. The worst is Jacksonville at negative 12. Uh, just to look at Kansas City and how dominant they have been this year in the turnover category, they lead the NFL with 20 takeaways. And believe it or not, the Chargers are right behind them with 18, second best in the NFL, going to San Diego. The Chiefs also have the most interceptions with 12. And again, guess who? San Diego right behind them with 11. Chiefs have also recovered eight fumbles this year. That's tied for second with Denver, New Orleans, has recovered more fumbles than any team in the NFL. And if you want to look at giveaways, Chiefs haven't given the ball away a whole lot this season. It's uh, seventh to be exact. Buffalo and Minnesota tied for first with five. You have Seattle, New England, Oakland, Detroit, and Dallas all tied third. And then right behind them, Kansas City and Atlanta tied uh, each of them giving away the football seven times this year. So Kansas City, and again, not a dominant offense, but one thing that the Chiefs do such a great job of, just the amount of, just the way they take care of the football and the, the, the amount of times they limit those turnovers. So you don't see that a whole lot with the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, just two interceptions thrown this season. Uh, that is uh, not, it's top five, but, to give you an idea, New England has thrown zero interceptions. That's with Garoppolo and Tom Brady this year, so that's really impressive. Uh, and, of course, the Minnesota Vikings, who have also played a couple of quarterbacks this season, have uh, just thrown one pick this year. So, Kansas City's all, they're on the top of the bunch right there uh, when it comes to taking care of the football and coming up with takeaways. 
So Kansas City's got to take that into consideration, not just this week against the Panthers, but moving forward to finish the second half of the season, the final eight games, as we get ready for this pretty hot stretch. Uh, late November and the month of December, and of course the first week of January, or just the first day of January, I guess. Uh, it, it's going to be a hot race, especially in the AFC West. You have three teams all vying for the division's top spot, and it's not going to be easy. And I want to give credit to Andy Reid. And I know Andy Reid, we get so critical of him and the play calls, and I do it too. On Twitter, you, you, you'll see my posts, but I don't know what it is with the bad play calls, especially on third downs, but somehow you find ways to win football games. Andy Reid has really done a great job with this franchise. This franchise hit was the worst in the NFL when Andy Reid came in. And now he's made them one of the most competitive teams in all of football, finishing above 500 every single year. Making the playoffs twice, of course, giving the team their first playoff win in forever. So Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit for the way that this team has performed this season. Of course, they'll pass three and a half years, but this season, uh, essentially, I, I, I know... Kansas City, I, they had that nine and zero start in twenty thirteen, and of course it was a, it was such a special moment because of what the Chiefs went through the previous season. But listen, the way the Chiefs have performed this year at six and two, to me, is far more impressive than that nine and zero start because you didn't play a lot of good teams during that nine and zero start. You've played some really darn good football teams. The Chargers, a team that's on the rise right now, trying to. Competed in this division. Uh, they're one of the better defensive teams in the NFL right now. Uh, despite a couple of key losses on, on the offensive side of the football. You went on the road. You defeated a very good Oakland Raiders team that's been getting a lot of national hype after a huge win against Denver on Sunday Night Football. The Saints and the Colts, I already told you, despite not having good records, uh, those are two t- very good offenses that the defense just took care of. I know that Steelers game, uh, it wasn't looking too pretty. Me personally, I'd love for the Steelers to make the playoffs just so the Chiefs can get their revenge and kind of redeem themselves from that horrible game and show themselves that, hey, look, we can beat the Steelers and anyone else in the NFL. So uh, this is a football team that's accomplished quite a lot this season. And the second half schedule gets pretty hard. It's going to be harder. Uh, Again, the Panthers... Yeah, sure, 3-5, and five, but they've won two in a row, and this is a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, so they have a championship mentality, and that can never be erased from their minds. Listen, the Royals didn't make the playoffs this past year, but they always had that championship mentality, and no baseball team played the Royals underestimating them, uh, regardless of who was pitching for the Royals this year. Uh, in any games uh, that's still a team that a lot of opponents looked at and said oh, hey look this team went to the World Series two years in a row won it last year uh, don't underestimate them they still have that killer mindset and that's what the Panthers certainly have and of course they're hot right now with that winning streak you've got the Broncos twice to finish the second half of the season you've got the Raiders coming into Arrowhead you've got the Chargers on the road at New Year's now Depending where everyone is at week 17, that could be a game that decides who makes the playoffs and who does. Not necessarily between the Chiefs and Chargers, but just who who gets the division and who finishes with a wild card record. And of course, we see it from time to time. We see teams 
that have an, uh, an, an outstanding first half of the season only to fall, fall off a cliff in the second half. And the, the Vikings are kind of looking like that football team. Chiefs almost looked like that team in 2013. Thank goodness they didn't. But overall, this is the second half that will challenge the Chiefs. And that's when you want Andy Reid to get it together with a play calling or hand it off to Nagy or Childress, one or the other. For right now, this Chiefs team has accomplished a lot and... I think they're going to keep the train rolling. I really do. They're not going to be that team that falls apart in the second half of the season. Uh, They're going to keep this moving. And you have a lot of momentum on your side. I get there are a lot of injuries. But man, listen, you've got so much on the defensive side. I want to talk about D Ford for a second. This guy has come out of nowhere and he's got, what, nine sacks this year for you? One of the best in the NFL. Marcus Peters, of course, Cole leads the NFL in interceptions with five, leading with Casey Hayward from the Chargers. And looking at D. Ford with his nine sacks, he's behind Lorenzo Alexander and Von Miller, which, by the way, if you want to look at the Denver Broncos and what they've done, they've played more games than the Chiefs, and Von Miller has a half sacks more than D. Ford. He's half a sack ahead. So that's how damn good D. Ford's been this year for you. And in the past couple games, he's gone on that had that three-game sack against the Colts, had a pair of sacks against the Jaguars, and that's really helped him get to where he is right now. So, And again, the Chiefs have been playing some really good offenses, so it's not like D. Ford's doing this against some horrible offensive tackles. Of course, last year when he had that three-sack game against the Chargers, a lot of people talked about how it was the backup tackle, Chris Harrison. Well... He's been consistent this year, so take what you can from D. Ford because, uh, you know, you look at Tom Bahali and how, of course, we all know his time is going to be coming to an end in the next couple of years, but him and Justin Houston, Justin Houston, of course, is locked up for the next five years. D. Ford still going to be around for a couple of more years. Hopefully they lock him up if he continues going at this rate. Uh, you've, you've you've got this premier pass rush continuing for a long time. It was, of course, Holly and Houston. Now it's going to be Houston and Ford. So you've got to love what you're seeing from this defense. Eric Berry still playing the good defense that he does. Not necessarily flashy with statistics, but plays great cover defense. And it's hard for a lot of quarterbacks to torch him when they go for that deep pass. Derek Johnson playing much better this year. Or I, I shouldn't say much better. He's been always playing at a high level since... Uh, ever since Romeo Cornell got here. When he was the defensive coordinator and briefly the head coach. Uh, came in, in at 2010. That's when we saw a much different Derek Johnson. I know he played really well in that 2009 finale. That helped him. That really saved his career. At least in Kansas City. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. And he's played much better since then. And has continued to play at a high level, regardless at his age, coming from that uh, Achilles injury in 2014. So Derek Johnson continues to dominate. Uh, Daniel Sorensen, he's been a guy who's really improved and has rose uh, to the occasion for the Chiefs. Ron Parker playing good defense, one of the best when it comes to pass deflections, good cover safety as well. Uh, the Chiefs all, all around have really been playing much better defensively. The, the only thing I, I would nitpick about this defense is they can't stop the run. 
But here's the thing with the Chiefs defense, and it's always been this way since 2010. This defense has never been really good at limiting offenses in terms of how how many yards they go for, but the Chiefs always find a way to limit their opponents when it comes to scoring. And that's the defensive stat that matters the most. I talked about this a couple podcasts ago. You can give me all the stats you want about how many yards an offense goes for or how many yards the defense allows. At the end of the day, it's how, how it's the scoring. How much does the offense score? How, how many points does the defense allow? That's the key statistic you want for your offense and your defense. And I read the numbers earlier about the Chiefs defense and, and how many points they've allowed. Not a lot compared to the rest of the NFL. I do want to take a moment and talk about Travis Kelsey and what happened this past week against the Jacksonville Jaguars and really how Travis Kelsey, honestly, he voiced a thought that every single football fan and every single NFL player has. Now, of course, a lot of you guys saw Travis Kelsey tried to go for a touchdown catch in the end zone uh, and of course, there was a missed pass interference call. Not only that, the defender dragged him down pretty hard. And had that just been pass interference, missed call, I think Travis Kelsey would have said something to the official and would have walked away. But he got dragged the heck down. I mean, we're talking safety. Look at Alex Smith, the the, the game against the Colts and the Saints. For crying out loud, and just the, the referees were just allowing defenses to murder Alex Smith. Like, if, if it was possible to just let him go out there, Alex Smith would probably have, God forbid, he would have been physically ill. Could not ever play football again. And the refs are just allowing... Listen, I know these football players, we all say it, that they sign up for this sport. Yes, Absolutely. But these officials need to take some responsibility too. They're just letting these defenders go out there and kill each other on the field. I'll go back to that Colts game. Uh, Travis Kelsey had that touchdown catch in that game. And I don't remember who it was, but it was a Colts defender tried to go with his helmet to try to hit Kelsey. He ended up hitting his own teammate who was also trying to hit Kelsey with his helmet. And it just so happened those two Colts players ended up bashing each other and both of them in the head colliding like that. You know, that that was deserved. You're trying to go after another guy? Well, guess what? You ended up hitting your own teammate with your head. These players need to be careful with what they're doing on the field. Travis Kelsey had every right to be pissed off. And I have to say it was a funny sequence right there. The flag thrown, then the towel, then the hat. I get it. You know, if you already threw a flag, if there's a second penalty, you, th- you have to throw your hat. Uh, but it just looks funny. The towel, the hat, the flag, everything that, that went on right there. Uh, but but seriously, though, Travis Kelsey stood up and did something that every single NFL player and even coaches and fans have been wanting to say for a long time. Now, should Travis Kelsey have done that? No. But you know what, man? Sometimes when push comes to shove, you've got to cross that line and do something. It's not like that Broncos player, I, I don't know who it was, the, the wideout who 
ended up actually hitting the hand of an official. I mean, it's not like Travis Kelsey did that. Now, I think the last thing on his mind was, man, I might get fined for this from King Roger Goodell. Uh, but, you know, he was careful in not throwing the uh, the towel at him. He threw it at his direction. Uh, again, uh, he, he should be fined for that. He will be. Uh, the NFL takes forever on these things, so it might take some time. Uh, I don't think it warrants a suspension. I mean, it was a towel, okay? It's not like he threw a football at the, uh, the ref. Uh, but listen, man. Those Jaguars players who were yelling at him, uh, you know, dancing and telling him he just got ejected. Guess what happened a couple minutes later? The Jaguars marched down the field. Chris Ivory had the football over the goal line. He fumbled when he was on his way down and the officials called it a fumble. That should have been a touchdown. And yes, I'm essentially saying the Jaguars should have won that football game. So the Jaguars who were dancing and laughing at Kelsey... Kelsey just proved their point because you saw uh, you saw the challenge right there from the Jaguars and you saw the cameras on Gus Bradley as soon as they made the call right there what they saw after the reviewing the play Gus Bradley was livid so all these Jaguars players making fun of Kelsey guess what Kelsey just proved what you are so upset about in that moment and there are so many occasions where this has happened. I, listen, Travis Kelsey is obviously not an offensive lineman, but he blocks a lot because of his position as a tight end. So a lot of times he's offensive linemen, and I'll even include tight ends in this in this case here. They get really protective of their quarterbacks when they see their quarterbacks get drilled and there's no penalty for it. Now listen, I, I, I think we've got to be careful just because he's a quarterback doesn't mean he's off limits. You You can hit him. But man, I mean, they went after Alex Smith's head in that game, and there were no flags there. And I think Travis Kelsey, in the moment, he said, F it, my quarterback's been killed. There's a reason why he's not playing in this game, and now I'm getting drilled down, thrown down like this, and you're not saying anything. So I get why Travis Kelsey was mad in the moment, and he had every right to be mad. Uh, the Kansas City Stars captured a great photo of the pass interference no call right there. So Travis, listen man, a lot of Chiefs fans are saying he was childish and that he wasn't professional. Put yourselves in his shoes. There was a missed pass interference call and the defender just threw you down as hard as he could. That could have been an injury right there. That could have been a concussion to your tight end. Are you going to tell me you would have kept your cool? I guarantee you wouldn't have. People get so critical of public figures, celebrities, athletes, politicians, whatever. Listen, man, in the moment, and I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, we have all lost our cool in certain situations, whereas maybe the next day or even five minutes later, we might have said, okay, I may have gone a little over, but I may have overreacted. We've all done that in our lives, so let's not act like we've never done that before. Travis Kelsey is a human just like any of us, just because he gets paid more money uh, and is a professional football player, doesn't mean he can't lose his cool like any of us would. And if anything, that made me like Travis Kelsey even more. Finally, someone went head-to-head, face-to-face with an official and said, Hey man, wake up! I get there and miss... I remember as a kid, I would attend uh, uh, basketball camps every summer at Johnson County Community College. And I still remember the assistant coach's name, Zach Roman. 
he would run the basketball camps at Johnson County. And I remember a kid was complaining about all these fouls that were missed. And of course, you know, you have the the assistant coaches and the basketball players who are running the camps. They're not trained officials. Uh, but the assistant coach stopped everyone for a second and said, hey, look, there are missed calls that you just went through. We have missed calls in our games as well in college basketball. So, you know, I've always remembered that ever since as a kid. But I still think that there's a different... Listen, like I said, if that was just a missed pass interference call, I think Kelsey would have said one or two words to an official and walked away. But Kelsey got dragged down. I think there's a difference between a missed call and a missed call when a guy just gets flat out. It's basically like an unnecessary roughness call right there. So listen, man, these officials... And Roger Goodell's just sitting in his seat... I know on Monday Night Football, there was some talk about Richard Sherman and the way he roughed the kicker. There was a fine expected for him, if I'm not mistaken. But the officiating crew is not going to be held responsible uh, for what happened. Why? Why not? Why is Roger Goodell? Why? And David Stern was so guilty of this too in the NBA. Why are these commissioners so protective of the refs? We complain so much about those replacement refs. Listen, man, I don't think these real refs are that much different than those replacement refs we saw in 2012. They're just not. So good for Travis Kelsey. I completely support what he did. He didn't physically hurt anybody. He just threw a freaking towel. And he may have said something he probably shouldn't have said. That's all he did. That's all Travis Kelsey did. The league's got to come up with some sort of system where, look, maybe you need to add an extra assistant official on the field or two. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the NFL needs to hold their referees accountable for some of these missed calls here. And not just missed calls. I'm talking about those injuries right there. I know Kelsey didn't get hurt, but but a lot of players might have gotten hurt in that situation. And look, maybe Roger Goodell doesn't do anything. Maybe he just laughs it off and says, huh, I'm going to defend these refs. Fine. I still support Travis Kelsey for going out there and going toe-to-toe with these refs. Somebody's got to do it. Cam Newton, who of course the Chiefs, of course, are going to play this week. He has been very vocal lately talking about how it's BS that these officials are just letting... Defenders hurt quarterbacks. Good for him. I know the Chiefs are playing against him this week, but I'm a big fan of his now for what he just said. And of course, he wanted to meet with Goodell. I don't know how that meeting went, but or or if it even happened. But listen, something's got to happen. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he's he is a he's a voice for. All 53 players on all the 50, uh, 32 rosters. All the head coaches and assistants who yell at refs from time to time. There's got to be a change, man. You can't just allow these refs to not only just ru- run the game or decide games, but to allow these injuries to just happen. Because those defenders think it's okay. They're going to do it again next week. All right, it's time to break down the game between the Chiefs and the Carolina Panthers on the road this week. And again, like I said, this is a team that's won two games in a row, and uh, they just have that championship mentality. So you can never underestimate this team despite their 3-5 and five record. Again, especially with what they've done lately. That's, that's what the NFL's about, man. You can have a bad record, but if you've been on a roll in the past couple of games, you just come off as more of a threat than, uh, than what 
you may seem like with your overall record. So the Panthers are on a roll right now, and they've got a lot of catching up to do, and they want to continue that this week against Kansas City. So how do the Chiefs stop that? Well, let's start with Carolina's offense because they got some weapons there. They're kind of in the middle of the pack when it comes to passing the football, but one of the better football teams when it comes to scoring, they're in the top 10 in scoring, 25.5 points per game. They're also ninth when it comes to running the football. So that's no surprise, of course, with the way Cam Noon, the way he operates. Uh, of course, he's got more than 200 yards rushing this season. Jonathan Stewart leads the team in rushing with 295. Uh, not the most dominant rushing team in the NFL. Fozzie Whitaker has done a little bit better in his limited time on the field. Stewart's got a 3.7 yard per carry average, but he's been able to punch it into the end zone four times. Cam Newton three times. And uh, Cameron Artis Payne also has been into the end zone uh, a couple of times for the Panthers on the ground this year. But through the air, uh, they've got some weapons, some really good weapons. They've got Greg Olson, who's one of the best in the NFL right now in receiving yards with 673. In fact, that's actually the most of all tight ends in the NFL, including Gronk. So, you know, you hear a lot about Gronk, and of course, Kelsey's also compared to Gronk, but, and they're great, don't get me wrong, but Greg Olson, he's been kind of under the radar this year in the NFL uh, when it comes to dominant tight ends. He's got three touchdowns for the Panthers this season. Calvin Benjamin, another great player for the Carolina Panthers, passing attack, 543 yards. He leads the team in t- uh, receiving touchdowns with four of them. So the Chiefs are going to have their hands full uh, from a defensive standpoint. Marcus Peters, of course, you're going to see him going up against Kelvin Benjamin quite a lot. You're going to see the linebackers, safeties, also try to go against Greg Olson in this game. Steve Nelson, who's been playing terrific. And I, and I should have mentioned Ramick Wilson, who had a terrific game. Of course, got had that huge interception against the Panthers. Or, pardon me, against the uh, Jaguars. So, uh, the Chiefs defense, so many players have really come through lately. And uh, that's going to help the Chiefs uh, and take them a long way. Uh, going up against this Panthers offense. And again, you've got uh, Olsen and Benjamin, uh, a very good wide receiver tight end duo. And, of course, Cam Newton with his abilities, basically. I mean, he's a triple threat quarterback. He can do a lot. So that makes this Carolina offense uh, a team that you definitely want to watch for because they can do a lot. I know rushing, uh, they, they don't do much, but I've got a feeling Jonathan Stewart. And, look, if the Panthers are smart, if Ron Rivera, he's one of the better coaches in the NFL, so you know he's going to do it. They're probably going to go run heavy when you you may not expect it much. Jonathan Stewart, again, not not very good this year, but against his Chiefs defense, rush defense more specifically, I think this is a great opportunity for the Panthers to really exploit that against Kansas City. The problem is, for Carolina at least, the Chiefs don't allow a lot of points. So that's going to, the red zone defense for the Chiefs have been great this year. That's where Carolina, and I'm going to be interested to see how Ron Rivera sets this up because, like I said, I think he's one of the better coaching minds in the NFL today. How is he going to try to do that against Kansas City when they allow a lot of yards but not a lot of points? So I'm going to be interested to see that. I'm sure he's going to come up with something to try to change that and turn the tables against Kansas City's defense. So I think this Chiefs defense might be in for a little bit of trouble, but I think for the most part, they'll still do well. Uh, I think Marcus Peters is a little overdue for an interception. I think he's going to have one on the way to make it six for the season, hopefully seven. I'm not going to argue that either. 
Uh, but I think you're still going to see the Chiefs come up with a couple of takeaways in this game. Probably an interception and also a forced fumble. With the amount of time that the, the Panthers may consider running the football, I think they're bound to fumble at least once. And that's going to be an opportunity for the Chiefs to fall on it. So I think the Chiefs can come away with a couple of takeaways. One in each category. One, one fumble recovery and one interception in this game. But overall, I think defensively, with the way D Ford's been playing, Justin Houston getting closer to a comeback. We don't know quite yet, uh, but but he seems to be hinting that he could play this week, and that would be really huge for the Chiefs. He may not be the same Justin Houston we know of right away. Maybe he will be. Who knows? Uh, but having him back, his presence is definitely going to be important for the Chiefs. And of course, you have Tom Bahali and. Uh, Jay Howard, uh, Dontari Post, so many great guys. Chris Jones has been playing terrific this year, filling in for Alan Bailey. Uh, Ray McWilson, like I said, I think he's shown a lot of improvement in the past couple of games. Uh, these are guys, uh, you've got so many playmakers on defense. So many guys can step up and help this defense come through. So I think at the end of the day, the Chiefs will allow a lot of yards again, uh, which again, you hate to see, but they'll still find a way to not let them light up the scoreboard. Switching over to Carolina's defense, uh, outstanding rush defense, third best in the NFL, and, and I'll say this right now, with Jamal Charles out until late in the season, maybe might not even come back, we're not quite sure on that yet exactly, uh, the Chiefs are holding out hope that he could come back, we'll just see, uh, but Spencer Ware, uh, uncertain uh, what his status will be for this week, Jeremy Macklin, uh, uh, of course we'll get to the passing game in a moment, but Charkandrick West and Niall Davis are are probably going to be your running backs again, and it's good to have Niall Davis back. It's good that they can all set aside what happened with the trade and all that, uh, because the Chiefs, we all know they really needed some running backs, and they needed someone familiar with the system, so hey, why not sign Niall Davis from free agency and bring him back? He he knows the system, so uh, and the Chiefs didn't get anything in return from the Packers, so... Why not let the Chiefs uh, and Niall Davis reunite? Uh, I, I thought that was a good move to have happen. Uh, but the Panthers overall defensively, very good stopping the run, but absolutely horrible when it comes to stopping the pass. One of the worst in the NFL. Uh, in fact, they are 29th in that category, and they've also allowed close to 26 points per game. So not very good, and that's been a big reason why. And again, it's been a theme this year for the Chiefs. I don't know why. The Saints, the Colts, and now the Panthers, teams that have bad records, but great offenses, bad defenses. And that's kind of been the theme this year for Kansas City. And again, Carolina's defense, pass defense at least, not really good. Uh, They've got Kurt Coleman as a strong safety. You guys may remember him. Yes, the same Kurt Coleman who led the Chiefs in interceptions with three in 2014. The Chiefs only had six that year, so he had half of the team's interceptions. He was one of the best in the NFL last year with seven picks. Uh, of course, just behind Marcus Peters, who had eight. Uh, but this year, Kurt Coleman's been really bad. Uh, he's only had one interception this year. He's been torched a lot. Quarterbacks love picking on Kurt Coleman. Uh, quarterbacks, not very good. You've got Bradbury and Worley. Uh, McLean as your slot corner. Uh, again, not a very good group of quarterbacks. Uh, to go up against, and, and I'm saying that's from from Carolina's standpoint. From the Chiefs, you might be without Jeremy Macklin, so Chris Conley and Albert Wilson are going to be your primary guys. And of course, you've got Tyree Kill, who's been playing very well offensively, a, a guy who's really come through. 
And I think DeAnthony Thomas is a guy who you might want to try to involve. Uh, you want you want to use his speed to try and torch these guys because there there aren't there's not a lot of speed against the uh, with these defensive backs for Carolina, and that's been a big reason why so many teams have been able to move the ball so well against this Panthers defense. This Panthers secondary not very good at all. They could definitely use a secondary coach uh, like Emmett Thomas, and, and of course Al Harris, who who's one of the assistants. For the Chiefs, so uh, this is a this is a, a a secondary that I think Kansas City should be able to dominate. Will they? That's a separate topic right there. Well, again, you're you might be without Jeremy Macklin this week, but you will have Travis Kelsey, who again doesn't appear like he's going to have a suspension this week. I don't think he really will get suspended for that. I think it's just going to be a hefty fine. Uh, not going to hurt the Chiefs much on the field, so no big deal. But You'll have Travis Kelsey, and I think that's where you want to use Travis Kelsey. We saw this a little bit with Nick Foles, the way he used Travis Kelsey in that vertical game. If you have a matchup against Kurt Coleman, and again with Travis Kelsey's unique speed, which we don't see a lot from tight ends. We have that in Gronk, we we had that in Tony Gonzalez, but we haven't seen that from a lot of tight ends, uh, especially in Kansas City with Leonard Pope, Tony Moyaki. Uh Kelsey has that speed, though, where I think he could go one-on-one against a safety like Coleman and possibly burn him for a lot of yards and uh, take it for a long game or maybe to the end zone. So you want to use that kind of uh, matchup right there to you to, to use that to your advantage and move the chains and uh, get closer to scoring. Uh, now, again, with your wideouts, Wilson and Conley, how do they do against Worley and Bradbury? Uh, and, and how does Alex Smith do? I think Alex Smith is also actually going to do really well this week. Coming back, uh, of course, uh, setting this game out against the... Jaguars. A lot of people talked about had that been a division game, maybe he would have played, possibly. But uh, I think you could definitely feel uh, his presence was missed in that in that game. I think the Chiefs would have done a lot more had Alex Smith played in that game. Uh, like I said earlier, Nick Foles underperformed, so uh, Alex Smith. I think in this game, uh, he's definitely going to be able to create some uh, some opportunities for the Chiefs to go uh, and score a lot of points. I think that's where he'll use. Chris Conley and Albert Wilson, players who have great, just about every offensive player Alex Smith has uh, to throw to, uh, his key pass catchers, uh, wide receivers and tight ends, Wilson, Hill, Conley, I'll even include Macklin, despite the fact that he may not play this week, Kelsey, DeAnthony Thomas, a lot of speed on this offense. I, I feel like I say that every podcast, but that's how this Kansas City offense is set up. Now you've got Charkandrick West, who hasn't really played very well this year compared to last year when he filled in for Jamal Charles. So that's been kind of a concern for the Kansas City Chiefs. But for the most part, uh, I think this Chiefs offense is going to have to go pass heavy. You're not going to be able to beat this really good rush defense. That includes Luke Keekley. We all know what he's been capable of over the years. Uh, Short, who's one of the best defensive tackles in the game. And you, 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 uh, Charles Johnson... Uh, again, one of the best at his positions at defensive end as well uh, for for the Panthers. You know, Kwan Short, again, like I mentioned earlier, some good guys on that defensive line for the Carolina Panthers. But outside of those three guys, Short, Johnson, and Keekley, you, you don't really have reliable players on your defense. So this is a great opportunity for the Chiefs. If, they, if that offensive line can hold, which Eric Fisher and, and Mitchell Schwartz, they've been able to do that. Uh, especially from the outside, if they can really hold up against this defense, 
I, I think Alex Smith will have the time he needs and be able to release the ball to his wideouts and to, to, to Kelsey. So uh, that's something that you want to see from your offensive line. Give Alex Smith the time he needs, and I think he'll be able to do what he needs to do against this defense. This is not a a defense that's threatening by all means. You saw what Alex Smith was able to do against the New Orleans Saints and a little bit against the Colts. Not much. Of course, he didn't play much and dealt with those head injuries, but I think we're going to see a similar game against the New Orleans Saints. All I ask for is that the Chiefs offense plays well for four full quarters. We haven't seen that much from the Chiefs, but nonetheless, this is still a Chiefs defense that's going out there and dominating. You look at what they've been able to do during this four-game winning streak. How many points have they allowed? 14.8 points per game. That's the second best in the NFL during this stretch. Takeaways. They've had 10. Turnovers, 0. They've scored 25.5 points per game during this winning streak. That's the 8th best in the NFL. So the Chiefs are capable of going on the road, stealing one from Carolina, coming back home, getting ready to play the Buccaneers with a 5-game winning streak. So I think the Chiefs are going to be able to do that on the road. I think Kansas City wins this football game. I think it's going to be a little close. I I, I think that Carolina offense will be able to make some things happen, but I think the Chiefs will win in a close one. I say it's going to be 24-21 on the road. The Chiefs will win against the Panthers. Got to be feeling pretty good with this Chiefs offense. This whole team, as a matter of fact, with the way they've been been going out and playing. But that offense, I think they they can go out there and really just run the tables against that weak Carolina defense. It's one of the worst in the NFL. And I know it's Alex Smith's first game back, but he's got a lot of reliable playmakers. And listen, we haven't seen a lot of trickery from Andy Reid in this playbook ever since he got to Kansas City, but I'd like to see a little bit of the Wildcat or maybe even a flea flicker or one of those misdirection plays. We've seen some of those, but we haven't seen any of the flea flickers. I know that's kind of a lost art. We don't get that much in the NFL these days, but I think that can can really throw off a team like the Carolina Panthers. So that would be a great opportunity to go out there and do so and try to extend your winning streak to five games. So I think the Chiefs will go out and and win. I think they they win by three points. So like I said, 24-21, I've got Kansas City winning this football game and extending that winning streak to five games. All right, let's go around the NFL. All right, I, I want to talk about these overtime games. Uh, of course, th- th- this happened a little more than a week ago, so I haven't had a chance to talk about it on the podcast on time. But I, I just want to say this, man. First of all, I hate that the NFL changed the rules uh, from sudden death to allowing both teams to get a chance. Listen, both teams got a chance in the first 60 minutes of the game. Don't give me this excuse of how teams should both get an opportunity in overtime. No, absolutely not. You had 60 minutes to prevent a tie. And by the way, if those two games that ended in ties, if, if that's how they ended, deservedly so. It's not the NFL's fault. Listen, I know I, I criticized Roger Goodell in the NFL earlier today, but I'll defend him on this. It's not their fault that teams can't score a touchdown in overtime. It's not their fault that the Cardinals and Seahawks missed chip shot field goals, which would have easily won them the football game on Sunday Night Football. I don't know what the hell that game was. Listen, man, if NFL games end in ties, those two teams, they don't even deserve to be tied. They deserve losses, okay? 
If you cannot score a touchdown in the 15-minute period allowed, you just deserve a loss, not a tie. Both teams should lose. Enough of how the NFL should change. What does the NFL need to do? They already are allowing 15 extra minutes. That's plenty of time. That sudden death rule should have never changed. Both teams had opportunity, plenty of opportunities before the overtime period. Let the first team to score wins. I don't care if it's a field goal. A field goal is part of football. That's part of the sport. I know we love touchdowns more than field goals, but again, we have that for a reason. Of course, no one cares if it's a game-winning field goal because that's exciting to everybody. No doubt about it. Uh, Kalia Carpenter, the wife of Bills kicker Dan Carpenter, uh, she spoke out on Twitter, wrote this uh, tweet and says, I know what we do on the farm when a male can't control his own rage. Hashtag lucky I'm not there. Hashtag Sherman. Hashtag act like an animal, get treated like one. Of course, referring to, I, I alluded to this earlier, re- referring to Richard Sherman and uh, roughing the uh, kicker uh, no call, I guess, on Dan Carpenter, which he got fined for. Listen, man, uh, I understand these wives. They want they they get really defensive because, of course, you know that's their that's their husband, that's the father of their children out there. Uh, Alex Smith's wife, Elizabeth Smith, uh, she got a lot of attention nationally because she lashed out on uh, Channel Forty One uh, meteorologist Gary Lezak. Again, for just stating his opinion. Listen, uh, I don't think what Kalia Smith was anything out of line. Uh, she's just standing up for her husband. I get that. I get Alex Smith's wife did the same thing. But I feel like what Alex Smith's wife did was more sensitive self-defense. I think she just got upset that, yes, those officials were letting him get hurt. But also, listen, Alex Smith isn't... He's, he's taken a lot of criticism for his gameplay. And I think that was more of what her reaction was about to Gary Lezak. Now, of course, Gary Lezak responded and he apologized and she apologized and no hard feelings. But listen, man, we saw this from Kelly Stafford, Matthew Stafford's wife. So many of these wives and girlfriends, they like to get involved and start calling out the media and fans. Listen, I get it. But look, if you're going to if you're going to be on Twitter, it may not be the place for you. If I was an athlete, man, I would not want my mom on social media. <laughs> I definitely would not. Uh, I know there are a lot of things said by a lot of people. And if you're the wife or girlfriend, fiance, whatever, of, of, of a player, you've got to learn to block out these critis- critics. You just have to. That's the way it is. Let's go out of bounds. Oh, man, Uh, this is a really crazy story coming out of FIU, Florida International University. Uh, Their star tight end, Jonu Smith, out for the season after his pregnant girlfriend poured boiling water on his head. All right, here's here's what I'll say. And I want to be... This is a very sensitive subject to a lot of people. I get it. We've got to be fair here, folks, because if it was the other way around, if it's the guy doing it to the wife, the girlfriend, the the, the female spouse, it's automatically domestic violence, and you know that that, that guy's a horrible person, and all, all sorts of things. Tyree Kill has taken a lot of criticism for it, and I, I still see some some people uh, they 
they give out their opinions on the show, and I understand. I, I, I do. Um, but let me say this. Now, by all means, the whole incident, I, I, I don't like to judge because maybe it was in self-defense. How do you get to self-defense at that point? I don't know. I would probably think of doing something else than pour, more, pouring boiling water. Uh, so, uh, of course, there are always two sides to every story, and I, I'm sure they'll investigate this. But listen, it's a female who committed the act of domestic violence right there, and it's not going to be viewed the same way. Hope Solo the former goalie for the U.S. Women's National Team, she was involved in a domestic violence dispute, and she did not take the flack that Ray Rice took. And that's wrong, people. Look, I get it. Men are, you know, physically bigger and stronger than women. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that if a woman does something that it's considered domestic violence. I, I, I think that's where our society... You know, we have this double standard here that, you know, we we shy away when, a, when we see this from a female. But if a guy does this, it's automatically, you know, it's there's a lot of criticism right away. By the way, shout out to Stacy, a listener who sent me a message and who was talking about one of the subject, kind of a similar subject we talked about. Uh, she had a Netflix suggestion, which I have not gotten to yet. It's one of my, on my list of things to do. Uh, called The Hunting Ground, which I, it, she told me it involves Jameis Winston and the allegations involved, which is something I definitely want to look into because I think in these cases, uh, I, again, I still think there are two sides to every story. Not that I support violence in any way. In self-defense, I think it, it's if necessary, you've got to do it. But a lot of times when we hear these stories with a female, it, it just doesn't get the attention that it should. Like I said with Ray Rice, what he did was absolutely wrong, and he rightfully got killed by it with the, from the public. Same with Greg Hardy, but not Hope Solo. That's just wrong, man. It's wrong. The UFC has their biggest pay-per-view coming up this Saturday. By the way, I'm now a contributor for Cage Pages uh, from Fansided, so check out my work over at cagepages.com. Uh, listen, uh... Conor McGregor is always interesting. He always sells. He and Eddie Alvarez almost had a bro. Conor McGregor had this WWE-like moment where he was about to throw a chair. And then I think he remembered the water bottle incident and how much that kind of cost him. Uh, and, and then uh, the female fighters for, for the strawweight title, Joanna Jonjicic and Karolina. I, I have, I'm not going to even try to pronounce her last name. Kowal Kicic? I don't know. Uh, there was that incident where they did their stare down and... Joanna headbutted Carolina. And listen, it, this is part of the fighting sport. People say, oh, it's class this kids are watching. It's it's not very sportsmanlike. That's how the fight world is. I, I actually like that. It, you know, you think of WWE and their staged brawls and feuds. This is actually real. I mean, these are people who are wanting to go and clash right away. So I love that. I, I think that's a great aspect from the sport. I, I like it. Listen, if you don't want your kids to see it, then don't show it to them. Simple as that. It's like The Walking Dead when people were complaining about the series uh, pre- or, or the season uh, premiere. The show is called The Walking Dead. Don't show it to your kids if it's too graphic. This is fighting. There's blood involved. Don't show your kids that kind of fighting if you don't like it. That's the sport. Time to throw my penalty flags.
John Bones Jones. Uh, of course, uh, he is uh, suspended after USADA had uh, caught him for doping, which ruined UFC 200 this past summer. And then you look at the fact that he was an interim title holder for the light heavyweight division. John Jones suspended all the way through next June or July, I believe. He's been stripped for the from the title again. How many opportunities does a guy need to to just learn? This is embarrassing. He is supposedly the biggest star, or was. Now he's not. He's never lost in the octagon before, and he can't get it together. Listen, you want to talk about how your kids should be seeing role model? Uh, you know, all the, the the way parents criticize athletes. These are the people you need to be criticizing. Not the sport. The people who ruin the sport. John Jones is one of them. And by the way, a lot of fans cheer for John Jones. I remember he was saying he was sober for three months and fans were cheering like it was such a great accomplishment. I mean, look, good for him if that's the case. Daniel Cormier, who was supposed to be his opponent for the fourth time, said he was he's been sober his whole life and people were booing him. But hey, look. We all know who just got elected to be president for our country. Next flag. Alright, uh Tristan Thompson, who plays for the Cavaliers, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers is engaged to... I should have done a Google search. One of the Kardashians. Listen, I don't follow celebrity news, but I just saw Tristan Thompson's name engaged to a Kardashian. His career is over. Do you know what these Kardashians do to professional athletes? Lamar, Lamar, I don't know which Kardashian he's engaged to, but his career went downhill when he got married to that Kardashian, okay? Uh, Reggie Bush, when he started dating one of them, his career went downhill. Chris Humphreys, downhill. Um, even though there was a divorce. I don't know which one, Kim? Is is Tristan Thompson engaged to Kim? People are yelling at their phones or their whatever, your, whatever device you have listening to your podcast. I don't follow celebrity news. I honestly don't. Uh, um, I know there's Kim. I know there's Chloe. That's all I know with Kardashians. Uh, I've been told I look like Rob Kardashian. Uh, I was told that a few years ago when I was overweight. I've lost a lot of weight since then, 25, 30 pounds to be exact. And I don't look like him, and I haven't received those comparisons as much anymore. Thank God. Um, But yeah, uh, Tristan Thompson, his career, it's over. Uh, He's engaged to a Kardashian. That sucks. What are you going to do? Nothing. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you guys again for your patience. Appreciate you guys uh, with all the uh, get well wishes uh, while I was sick. Glad I'm feeling well. I'll tell you what, it just sucked getting a water bottle and drinking it cold. I, I couldn't drink cold water. Everything had to be hot, you know, soup or anything. I hated it. Uh, you just feel like you're completely ill and you can't do anything. Uh, and of course, you can't do, you can't run or exercise any of that. And I was finally able to do that today. Uh, feels nice. And of course, this podcast. Uh, I know a lot of you guys were waiting on the podcast to come back, so I appreciate you guys uh, for those who reached out who asked about the podcast. It's back. 
it's back now. And uh, hopefully we'll be back to our regular scheduled routine going uh, twice a week. Uh, I'll try to get the podcast recaps out early as possible. Hopefully they'll be out by Mondays. I get a little caught up with my schedule, so be patient with me on that. But nonetheless, we'll be back to doing two podcasts a week starting uh, after this weekend. After the Chiefs, hopefully, fingers crossed, defeat the Carolina Panthers. Like I said, 24-21, and I think they'll be able to extend that winning streak to five games in a row. Uh, I hope I've been able to help entertain you guys in some way for this uh, hour and ten minutes. I know you guys have seen a lot on social media, on the news, um, with the way people are retaliating uh, with everything that's gone on. I just want to say this. Whether you agree or disagree, which I personally disagreed, it, my vote didn't the way it didn't go the way uh, I had l- liked for it to. Uh, so some of yours may have, and that's fine. You know, you, you voted a certain way you wanted to, and, and you got it. Some of you didn't, and that's okay. It's okay to be upset about it, but I don't think it's okay to fight with each other on social media, go and block the streets. I think during times like this, we need to come together. I think if, if we can agree on anything. Whether we're Democratic or Republic, uh, Republican, it's we we don't need the hate, we don't need the negativity. I think we can all agree on that, regardless of where our affiliation stands. Uh, I, I think during times like this, we need to accept what the result was and find ways to be better as a society. I I, I think we can do better, regardless of who our president is. So uh, take that into consideration. Uh, again, uh, I, I know it's it's such a dark time right now, especially with the way people are acting. I hate seeing this. Uh, trust me, I'm one of those people. I don't like seeing people whine and moan on their Facebook. Like, I don't log on to see your paragraph about how horrible you feel. No, I don't even use social media for that. I, I, don't, I don't think people care that much about my personal life. Anyway, so hopefully... You guys were able to use this as an escape from uh, politics. Nonetheless, had fun with you guys on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Facebook.com slash Sportscaster Farzine or search Farzine Vesugian on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Talk to you guys this weekend during the Chiefs and the Panthers and much more. I'll talk to you next week. We'll recap the Chiefs and Panthers game. Take care.